Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Sunday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin, the language nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T-A-Z or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. Um... I want to be a little bit honest. I, as I said in the last podcast episode, I wasn't actually planning on making a podcast today, but I was trying to get some work done and I thought that making a podcast would actually help me get some of the work done. You see, one of the things I'm trying to problem solve right now in my whole life and in my world is all around where the heck my whole language learning journey is going. You see, the fact of the matter is that up until today, when we look at this whole process of me diving into language learning as a career and as a job, I've basically been taking it step by step by step by step. When I first started, I had no idea what I wanted to do. As a result, I just thought, what the heck, let's make some videos from time to time and let's start some tutoring. That was the initial starting point. From there, I started to think, huh, tutoring's not paying the bills enough. It's not making enough money. Maybe I should raise my prices. Maybe I should try some group classes. And then I was like, maybe I should make more content. Maybe I should do this, maybe. And slowly, one thing after another, you know, we, we look at where we are today, where I podcast basically daily. I make very regular videos. I make multiple posts a day on Facebook and Instagram. I run language classes. I run language learning events in the city. I've attended conferences. I've spoken at different events in regards to language learning. There's, it's just slowly but surely, slowly but surely been chipping away, chipping away, building, building, building. And one thing I was thinking about today is what am I trying to build to? Because the fact of the matter is just like when you're learning a language, there can be a tremendous amount of value of having at least a first cut idea as to what your finish line is going to be. For example, if you're learning Spanish or any language, English, whatever it is, when you're learning a language, it's, it's a good idea to know that I'm trying to achieve this level in the language. I'd like to have this level of fluency. I know that the accent doesn't matter to me. I know that the writing doesn't matter, but I want to be able to speak and converse, blah, blah, blah. Or on the contrary, I really want to be have good writing and reading and a great accent. But at the end of the day, I don't care if I make grammar mistakes, like whatever it is. It's a good idea to have a general idea of where you're trying to go with that language. In my work life, I believe the same thing. I have the same philosophy. I think it's a great, it's a great idea to have a good, have a good, general direction of where I'm trying to end up. And ultimately, I'm not 100% sure where that is right now. And so what I wanted to do is kind of record a podcast here to talk a little bit about where, what my thought process is around it. And hopefully throughout this podcast of me spitting out my thoughts and thinking about it and pondering it and stewing over it, hopefully this podcast gives me a little bit of help and helps me helps point me in the right direction. I think also there's gonna be a lot of language learning things that pop up that are relevant to you guys as I'm going through this whole rumination. Now, one thing I've thought about because there's an opportunity on my plate, which I've talked about various times, is do I want to grow in a direction where I have lots of English learners who are following me? 
I've been wondering about that because when we look at the opportunity I have on my plate with the Easy Languages YouTube channel, like there's some real stuff I could do with that. If I do a fantastic job with this Easy Languages YouTube channel, I could become a triple Z list or triple Z list quote unquote celebrity. And again, it's not really celebrity, but I could have a, a sizable following with English learners and I could really build something around that. I could build courses, I could build classes, I could have sponsors around it, I can make Patreon accounts, I can do, you know, ad revenue and sponsorships and blah, 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 all around creating content that is designed for English learners. That is a very viable pathway that I could essentially dive headfirst into and try to leverage this easy languages opportunity to help me get there. But here's the thing. I don't know if that's something I really want to do. When I think about myself making my money in that way and having a living based around that, I'm not sure if that's what makes me happiest. So I'm not sure if that's a direction I want to go. There's other directions as well. And actually, let's take a step back. Even the direction of having a big following. I don't even know if that's really, really what I want to do. Like, for example, I have a, I feel reasonably confident that I could make myself reasonably famous. I really feel like it. Now, would I ever be A-list famous? Probably not. Would I be like a Hollywood actor? No, I'm not cool enough to have that level of, to have that level of fame. But man, I, I think I could reverse engineer having a lot of people following me. I would just need to make it a different kind of lifestyle. It's funny because people like me, people like my story, I've noticed past patterns of I can just, I can become friends with people. I'm good at that networking side. And so all it would really do to, to really all it would do to make, you know, my whole approach, if I wanted to be quote unquote more famous and I wanted to trade on fame, essentially, things would change very radically. It would be an extremely simple process. I would start to reverse engineer people who are popping in culture, thinking at like, looking at like, you know, different singers, different actors, different blah, 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 people in culture, rappers and all sorts of stuff. And I would start to reverse engineer different people to figure out how would I get in their circle? It's pretty damn simple. Or another, another similar thing is what is such and such person doing that is now being regarded as cool in culture? Who are people that are using those characteristics or who have those characteristics? Can I become friends with them? Like it'd be a pretty easy, easy, not easy, but I would be able to reverse engineer that and to use that to my advantage. It's pattern recognition and it's something I could do. But here's the thing, I actually don't think I really want that. Or I'm not sure if really I want all the eyeballs on me. I'm not sure, like I'm, I really don't know. And so kind of as I'm processing through a lot of this, where my head is at as of today, as of this Sunday, December 23rd, 2018, where my head is at is I believe where I want to go is I want to have, I want to essentially have a massive role in promoting, oh man, how do I say this? I guess you could say promoting language learning. So whether that means building communities around language learning locally in different cities, whether that means creating stuff online and pushing the whole agenda online, whether there's a lot of stuff and I really, and this is where I get into a challenge is how do I want to push language learning? How do I want to make that more popular? How do I want to, how do I want to make it more popular essentially? And how do I want to support that? Um, one of the things I've thought about heavily, um, especially the past few days, and I'm not sure 
if this is where I want to go. But it's the concept of how do you make language learning cool, fun, and or interesting? How do you change that paradigm? This is something I've been really thinking about because here's the thing. Number one, among the average Joe, there's a lot of people who have, neg who, have a, who have a more negative perspective to language learning than perhaps they should if they had different teachers, if, they'd had, if they had had different life experiences. There's things I could do to potentially change that paradigm. And here's the other thing. There are people who really like language learning, but here's the thing. It's not popular at all in culture, and they probably are in an environment where that's not a thing that's talked about. And as a result, that's not something, it's not a passion they pursue in any way, shape or form. So there's a whole concept of what can you do to push that, make it more popular so that people are aware of it so that they're like, oh wait, I, I do like language learning. I didn't know there were others out there like me. I was one of those people. I loved language learning. I was good at it. I liked it. I went to France. I had a buddy who liked it. Like we had fun in language classes. It was something I liked. But until I came across uh, Tim Doner, who's the guy who gave like a TED talk about um, learning 20 some odd languages, something like that, or maybe 17 or whatever the number was, 20-ish languages. And then I realized that, wait a second, he's getting recognition for this. Wait a second, he was like this too. Wait a second, I could have been him. Wait a second, look at all these comments saying how good he is. Wait a second, there's polyglot conferences. Wait a second, there's people who make a living in languages. Whoa, what the heck? I didn't know this. So there's millions of, I'm willing to bet anything, there's millions of people out there who are like that. And I've thought about like, what do I need to do to reach those people? Is that the direction I want to go in? And do I want to support that agenda? I don't know. I just don't. You know, I even think about, and here's where things get really weird. And this is where things, this is where people might debate with me and they might disagree with me. But there's, I think anyone with half a brain cannot deny that this is a potential possibility where at some point in the future, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 10, I don't know how far in the future, there is the possibility that there is semi-reliable or very reliable, depending on how technology advances, there's gonna be some level of reliable technology that does semi-accurate I speak and the machine translates what I say into your language to an acceptable level. That's just, I feel like there's a chance we get there. And obviously, I don't necessarily think it means that people stop learning languages, right? I don't really think so. Maybe that's possible, but I'm not, I don't think so. Um, but it definitely means that there's going to be people that go like, hey, I'm traveling to France. Google offers a, a little, in the Google headphones that are sold, they have a function where someone can speak to me and I'm gonna, it's gonna semi-accurately translate to English. It's 20 bucks. 50 bucks, screw it. I'm not gonna go take a language class. I'm not gonna learn the language. I'll just buy the headphones, whatever. Or there's there's a lot of things like that or in business settings. That, that is something that I don't know exactly how that affects things, but I know this, there would be, it would affect the language learning market as a whole, right? Um, and so as a result, the only thing that could really protect the whole field of language learning to make sure that's, that impact of that technology is minimized, at least in my perspective, is if there is a culture around language learning that is cool or that is interesting. Imagine this, imagine 14 year old 
Bob. I don't know why I picked Bob. 14-year-old, let's pick a different name. 14-year-old Dylan, okay? Dylan goes to high school. He's a freshman, first year of high school. He's 14, 15. Dylan sees a video, you know, come across his Snapchat feed or his Instagram feed or whatever, because I threw an ad out there of another teenager who's a guy who speaks English, but then it starts speaking Spanish and the girls kind of like him. Dylan is going to, if assuming the video is well made, Dylan is now going to have a thought placed in his brain of, oh, wow, man, like, ah, man, the, you know, Spanish, <laughs> like speaking Spanish can get girls. And Dylan, being a 15 year old guy, being in that phase of his life, is now going to want to go learn a language. It's kind of like, you know, when you like see those body, the, the, the body spray commercials and they, they, they make you look like you put on the body spray and all the girls like you and all that kind of stuff. Like there's plays, there's millions, there's thousands of things you can do, right? Of things you can build and you can really change the reputation of of a specific thing. Like, here's a good one. If we, now, I don't know how old a lot of you guys are listening to this, but if you are, let's say, I don't know, let's say 30s, if you're in your 30s or older listening to this, maybe even some of the late 20s might be able to relate to this. But if we were to rewind, entrepreneurship was not a thing. In, in the past. I mean, it was a thing, but it was not, it doesn't have like a very, it didn't have a popular status like it has now. Right now it's cool. People put it in their Instagram profiles. They make they make t-shirt companies. People actually think about becoming an influencer. They want to be, kids want to be YouTubers. There's, there's a lot of stuff around that that didn't exist before. It's cool. The same way that, you know, um, what was it? Hip hop has now become cool as well in a lot of ways, right? And so it's, it'd be an interesting, it would be an interesting journey for me that would take me a long time, a lot of effort, help from others. It'd be a fun journey to embark on to try and create a reputation around language learning that is cool or interesting or fun or something that is positive instead of right now, a lot of people view it as maybe negative. Some people, a lot of people view it as, oh, that's kind of cool, but they don't feel connected. They don't feel a reason to jump into it, right? Like there's a lot that I'm thinking about. And that's probably as I'm processing through this whole thing, it's the reputation of language learning. I think that is something I probably want to attack. And, and you know, there's going to be a different, I need to attack that differently if that's really the problem I'm trying to solve, or that's the thing I'm dedicating myself to. Because like, here's a great example. If that's where I'm trying to go, I need to start making content. Well, is that true? Yeah, you know what? There needs to be content made for younger, for like teenagers and younger and kids. Why? Because I, if I can penetrate their, if I can penetrate that when 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 they're younger and I can, I can essentially um, plant the seeds of languages, learning languages being fun, cool, etc. And I can get into that zone when they're younger and it's earlier in the process. It's easier as they get into, into universities, into colleges, as they're thinking about their work, as they're, as they're trying to define what direction they take their life in, it can become career options they think about. It can become hobby options. They don't have a negative thought process around the languages. They actually, it's a thought that is lodged in their brain. By making content that is strictly for people in their you know, 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever, right? Let's say 18 to 40 some odd, 50, whatever, right? Adults, right? You already have a life, you already have things. And while granted, there definitely are people here who are in the university phase or they are early in adulthood and whatnot. 
again, you figured a lot of a certain a lot of things out already, and it's more difficult to make that kind of penetration, if that makes sense. So if that's a direction I want to go, like, you know, I've got to change some of my actions. Um, and it's funny because if we if we switch gears a little bit, on one hand, there's one thing to me that is crystal clear and has been crystal clear probably since the age of about 16, 17. So it's about, you know, rough give or take 10 years. That's been really crystal clear for me. And that is my own personal language learning pur pursuits. What is definitely, I mean, almost, let's say 99% likely to continue for God knows how many years is my process of learning different languages. I have my list of eight languages that I want to achieve a very advanced level in, both reading, writing, speaking, and listening. I want to achieve that super advanced level, near native sort of status. And that's something that's going to be a part of my life. I mean, in death, I feel like indefinitely. Things obviously could change, but as of today, that is how I feel. And it has for the past 10 years or so. So I'm assuming it's not changing in the near future. So that's something that is a no-brainer. And I think that there is just a lot of personal value in me creating content around my whole process of learning languages and how things are going. You know, that is probably something that never really has to change. I think that now that I'm thinking about this, I think I'm landing on this and I figured this part out clearly. Podcasting, videos, my, my Facebook stuff, my Snapchat, all the stuff I'm doing right now that's like sharing my passion for language learning and documenting my progress and talking about what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis. I think a lot of that has to, excuse me, a lot of that has to stay, even if it's just for my own reasons in 50 years, if I can just look back and be like, wow, look at, look at the whole, look at this race that I've run. Wow, isn't that so cool? I think for that personal reason alone, I have to keep it going. And obviously a lot of people enjoy listening to me and watching my stuff as well. So do it for you guys too. Um, and so that is something that has to continue. I think I just have to figure out on a work level, what direction am I really trying to push things in? How do I want to make my money? How do I want to earn a living? It's something I think about. Um, and the last thing I'll finish this, maybe not the last thing, but the next thing I'll jump into here on this podcast, and maybe this will lead into a different, a different place here, is using, and this is a weird one, but is using selfishness to be selfless. This is the concept that uh, I heard a speaker, or rather, well, speaker and YouTuber and businessman and blah, 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 talk about Gary, Gary V. Um, he talked about like using your selfishness to do selfless things. And it's funny when he said that, because I was like, man, it's crazy how that's a lot of the stuff I've kind of done for a long time without necessarily having it put in that in those kinds of words. Like a lot of the stuff, the podcasting, the podcasts you listen to, the YouTube videos you watch, the Facebook stuff I post, the snaps I make on Snapchat, the Instagram stuff, the blog posts, the the events I run locally, the everything I do that people enjoy, they're like, oh man, I want to consume the stuff that Azrin's doing, blah, blah, blah. It's so freaking selfish. It's literally the, the root of why I'm doing it is rel is actually selfish, but it ends up being good for you too. So a great example, um, let's look at the events I run in my city. When I look at the events that I run, I structure them in a way where they're fun for me. I want people, so I want people to come hang out in Spanish and play games and come to a coffee shop and chat. And I want people to talk to me. I want that circle of lots of people just because it's fun for me, right? And because it's a, it helps me for my work. And so 
what ends up happening is people come to these events and they're so happy that, oh wow, Azrin's put together a great place for me to improve my Spanish and practice my Spanish and maintain it and blah, 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 meet different people. But I didn't do it. I mean, I do it for you, yes, but the primary reason, one of the big pillars as to why I do it is because I want to hang out with people who are learning Spanish, who speak Spanish. I want to do it to move my work forward. I want to do it because it's fun. I like it. It makes me happy, right? <laughs> and so even though it's helping you, one of the pillars as to why I do it, one of the pillars as to why I do it is for me. Um, podcasts. I like to talk. I love talking. I could talk people's ear off all day and night. The problem is in real life, that is not socially acceptable and people will not actually sit there and listen to you talk because they want to say stuff too. And they want it to be a two-sided conversation, blah, 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 blah. And so in real life, I have to sometimes, especially when I'm excited, I have to be mindful. I'm so careful. It's crazy how like, it's crazy how much I'm psychoanalyzing myself when I'm in groups and when I'm talking to people of how much I'm talking in comparison to others because I know I'm capable of just talking the whole time and making and forcing people to listen to me. I know that's something I could do. So I'm so careful not to. Um, but on the podcast, you guys can't talk back. You guys can message me. You guys can DM me after. You can leave comments. You can blah, blah, blah. But when I'm recording, I can talk. And here's the great thing about podcasts. Often podcasts are 30, 20, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110 minutes long. So I can talk for a really long time and that is acceptable. How fantastic is that? I can make a plethora. I make so much content about language learning. It's crazy. And you guys consume it and a lot of people consume it everywhere and they like it and they're so happy I do. But here's the thing. I just like to talk. <laughs> so it's selfless because it's helping you guys, but it's also selfish because I just it, it makes me so happy to do it. <laughs> And so uh, I had a language connection here, but I don't remember. Ah, yes, I remember language connection. Um, I remember why this was going through my mind. The reason this is crossing my mind is because when you're learning a language, uh, you, you have to, and I've said this before, you have to go about it in a way that's going to be, in a way that feeds, in a way that feeds you, in a way that feeds some of the personality traits and interests that you have. Let me give an example. It's like with my Mandarin right now, I am learning a lot of Mandarin by watching a drama. So I'm watching the drama. I actually like the drama. I'm enjoying the drama. And because of that, I'm using the drama to feed my Mandarin. I'm using something that I like, that I want to do. And the byproduct of me doing something that I want to do is feeding my Mandarin. Another example of this would be when I run my Mandarin events in my city. The Mandarin events, essentially, um, I actually, here's a better example, a much better example. I used to do these Chinese food, these Chinese food events. We used to go to this, my favorite Chinese restaurant in the city, it has amazing food, I loved it. And I wanted company to go to the restaurant. So what I did is I would go to the restaurant, I'd schedule events, I'd talk to all the people I'm connected to in the city, because I'm connected to a lot of people, when we would get five, 10, 15 people and we'd all go eat at this restaurant. Now. I used to, the, the premise of us going to the restaurant was, oh, it's a Chinese language and culture kind of evening, right? And so me, I love the food there. I used my interest of, and my, my passion and my, my enjoyment of going to this restaurant to feed my Mandarin studies. Because because it was under the umbrella of Chinese language culture and everything, we would get a decent amount of people who came who were either learning Mandarin or who spoke Mandarin. 
So it would be a great way to use, like we're eating Chinese food and I'm using this opportunity of doing something that I enjoy to feed my selfishness and not feed my selfishness, sorry, to feed my, my Mandarin studies. So whenever possible, I would recommend that you try and find an interest, right? Try and find an interest, try and find something that you like, which then feeds and as a byproduct, you are able to learn blah, 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 language. I'll give one final example that's maybe a little bit more tangible or, or maybe one or two just to really demonstrate what I mean because I know maybe I haven't been super articulate. Um, I remember when I was in China, a lot of Mandarin examples. Anyway, it's not important. I remember when I was in China, I was talking to one of the teachers who said that they had a guy who had come through the school who had learned Mandarin very rapidly. And the way that he learned Mandarin was because he had found a group of these uh, these older gentlemen and older ladies who would do these dances and yoga and stuff in this park in the early mornings. This guy, first of all, liked to wake up early in the morning and he liked to go do some kind of activity early morning before the rest of the world was really fully awake. And so he's like, oh wait, these people all like to go to this yoga and these really traditional dance stuff and stretching and yoga in the park man, I would love to join them. That would be, it'd be so great for me to be able to integrate myself into that because that'd be a great fun thing that I would love while I'm here in China doing whatever the heck he was doing. So he wanted to integrate himself into an activity that he enjoyed. And by doing that, number one, he had a real motivation to learn Mandarin because these are all like older, apparently based on the Chinese teacher's recount of the story. Everybody at this event that he used to attend were older gentlemen and ladies. So they did definitely did not speak any English. They were, they spoke Mandarin. <laughs> and so a number one gave him a real motivation to actually learn Mandarin. And second of all, he was able to learn a lot of Mandarin as a byproduct of doing something that he was enjoying. He learned super fast, according to my teacher that I was talking to. He learned so fast because he used to go to this every single morning to do this event that he really, really enjoyed. And so a lot of us, when we learn languages, we pick strategies that are designed to teach us the language. We take a language class. So the primary effort of the class is to learn languages. We take, we buy a language program. We do blah, 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 blah. All this, by the way, is not bad. I do this myself as well. I do not think there's anything wrong with it. But I think there's also tremendous value in doing an activity where, as I said a hundred times, I'm trying to drill this in, as a byproduct, you learn a lot of English. Um, one of my students in the city here, she's learning English. She took a class on how to use Microsoft Excel. Or was it Microsoft Excel? No, 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 wait, that wasn't it. Um, it was, no, 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 sorry. I'm mixing two people up. There's a guy learning English. I got it now. He took a course on how to fix bicycles. That's what it was. A course on how to fix bicycles, like a weekend thing. It was taught in English. So he, he's learning English. He has the interest of learning to fix bicycles for whatever reason. So by going to the course or this weekend workshop or whatever it was on how to fix bicycles, he learned a lot of, a lot of English as a byproduct of doing something that he enjoyed. So I think I made the point here. I think that hopefully clears that up for you. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I think this podcast served its purpose. I figured out a lot of what, I've got a lot of good thoughts now on what direction I wanna take my work and I just gotta go sit down and hash out a couple more things and then start executing on some of those things. So anyway, thank you for listening. I appreciate your attention. Have a happy, a very, very awesome Christmas and Christmas Eve, because obviously tomorrow's Christmas Eve and then Tuesday's Christmas. 
If you don't celebrate Christmas Eve, Christmas, you're not doing much, well then hopefully you have a happy new year because New Year's is also coming up. If you don't celebrate that, well, have a good day, have a good weekend, have a good life. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk later. Uh, bye for now. See you.